Oh yeah, got some beats. Don't stop me now. Not bad. Kind of like like that part, little pick up there. Good job. Thank you very much. Yeah, welcome everybody to the uh, podcast. This is podcast eight of ten in the Pillar of the Sun podcast series. Uh, my name is Mike Garrigan. My name is Murray, and we'll be your host today. So welcome. Uh, the theme of today's show is rock songs. We're going to talk about the song Water and Wine, which is track eight on Pillar of the Sun. And we're also going to talk about uh, rocking out and um, playing loud music and what that's all about. So, Murray, uh, did you have a good holiday? I did. You know, it was really cool. Um, the holidays are kind of a tough time for me. I, I don't really, I mean, you're the only person in my life and um so that's kind of sad, but it's, it's also doesn't have to be. So what I do is I go away. Um, if I'm going to be alone, I might as well enjoy it. So I just go on a trip every year to, um, this Island kind of South of Hawaii. I get on a plane and it takes me about a week to get there and a week to get back. And then, um, you know, kind of do a little reflecting on the way. So it was good. Excellent. Well, I had a good week too. You know, I just, um, enjoyed Christmas here in Greensboro and it was nice. And, um, it's really laid back time, you know, nothing really too pressing. So it was nice. I'm, I've enjoyed the week. Yeah, I bet you did. You know, why don't we, um, let's start things off with the first song. Okay. This is Water and Wine from Pillar of the Sun. Yeah. 
Nice track. Um, Thank you. That song has obviously more um, rock to it. It's mm-hmm. definitely louder, more guitar-driven and drum-driven. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where does that song come from? Well, that song um, was written, if I'm not mistaken, in 2004, right around the same time that I wrote uh, Pullman. And there was this infamous trip uh, on the MG4 EP tour uh, mm. that was an acoustic tour uh, to Pittsburgh, and I came home and um, wrote a bunch of songs uh, that December. And then these mm-hmm. were kind of demoed in what was what was called the mandolin sessions yeah. from 2005. And originally, it had a mandolin on it. Right, I remember. I remember those sessions; those were cool. And and from that, you know, you had Pullman, and I think the Great Divide, which was an outtake, uh, was written around that time as well. That's correct. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. And, and it it, uh, it was recorded uh, in that initial Return of Spring session that yielded uh, six songs total. And now um, five of them have made records, and one of them was featured on the podcast, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. song called The Great Divide. But anyway, that was a session where we had a drum kit. And uh, one, for one reason or another, the tracks weren't coming together. Um, it seemed a little too harsh. And then what happened was once we redressed the song Come Alive, um, yep. it opened some doors into finishing up some tracks that you know could be featured on a record. And this was one of them. This is one of my favorite songs on Pillar of the Sun. I think it came out really well. Yeah, I think this song would have been too heavy for Return of Spring. Um, did you ever consider altering the production to in some way? Because I like this version a lot. Was saying, but you know, you could have done you could have done it with bongos or conga drums, and it have a similar, actually, a different feel to it. Yeah, and, and what I did was um, I retained the vocal, the bass line, and the acoustic guitar from the initial sessions. And one of the things I did consider, even during the return of spring sessions, was you know what happens when you put a conga drum on it and um, the the acoustic guitar has kind of this cool campfire strummy thing going on. So it kind of worked, but it didn't really match the vision of what I had for the song. And I wanted it to, to rock more. And, um, I think this version accomplishes that. What in your opinion, um, makes a song rock more? Hmm. Is it just the drums or did you add more guitars or what do you mean by that? I think, the things that make a song rock more um, than less 
it's a sum of, of some things. I think there's some elements that have to be present in a good rock song. And, uh, one of them is electric guitars. Absolutely. You can do an acoustic rock song that's very effective. There are lots of bands. That's their kind of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but I think you got to have the electric guitar for one featured in a prominent way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dynamics are important. You got to have little and big. If everything is is big all the time, it doesn't really sound big. Never thought of that. That's and true. I really think drums. You have to have a really loud, um, loud sensibility to them. They can't be just tapped. Mm -hmm. um, that makes sense. And that was one of the problems I had in pr producing the drums. How do you get a sound that that sounds good that's also still um, aggressive? And I see. That takes a little finesse. That's one of the hardest things, I think, to do as an engineer. Yeah, I've heard stories about people doing some wacky things. And, you know, like they'll go in and record a guy playing drums. And mm -hmm. then they'll, they'll, like, I don't understand how this happens, but they'll replace everything. Do you ever do drum replacing? I don't like to. Um, I try not to. I think the way to record a good kid is, is top down. Some people do a bottom up. What What is the difference between top down and bottom up? This is like a, a term that I use. I don't know if another engineer would, would use this term, these terms, or you'd find them in recording books. But uh, a top-down approach to recording drums and, and mixing drums is starting with um, the overheads and just the cymbals and the mm -hmm. general impression of the kit. Right. And that requires the drum kit to sound good and the room that you're recording it in to sound good as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. um, yep. This kind of approach, you could use simply just one microphone on the whole drum set and it'd wow. be sufficient. Uh, that that makes it very easy to mix. Um, I'll typically use six microphones, mm -hmm. two overheads, and then um, close mics on everything else. Uh, a bottom-up approach uh, is the opposite, where you start with the bottom of the kit, meaning the, the lowest part, the kick drum, uh, and that tends to uh, create some very modern, uh, very separated drum sounds that don't necessarily sound natural, uh, but they sound good and big. So I don't really like that sound, and I, mm -hmm. I'll go for it occasionally. Um, that can create some problems with having too many options for sounds. But, you know, my whole thing with production is get a good drummer and a good room and a, a good song, and you don't have any of those issues. What do you think was um, some of the funnest drum recordings you've been a part of? Gosh, there have been so many. I mean, mm -hmm. anytime I've worked with, with Dale Baker, it's been great. He's fantastic. He's really, um, good. He's really good. My personal albums, you know, um, Nick Brown, fantastic drummer. He did some really fun stuff. Jeremy um, Cannon, excellent. Scott Carl, um, mm -hmm. in the Collapses days, he did some really cool stuff, too. I mean, all the drummers I've worked with have been outstanding. Yeah. But um, I remember there was this one song uh, we did uh, called See You Tonight on the promise of summer nick brown was the drummer on that session he he came in and just knocked this thing out in a, a take it was really uncanny but um that was a good good yeah. time didn't you didn't you do this uh see you tonight acoustically on the last tour i did i played it one time on why don't we tour. hear hear that this is see you tonight um from south carolina <laughs> And cigarettes and road lines. I feel the way the road winds. Driving for a long time. I just wanna see you tonight. If I can, I I don't know what I'm gonna do. 
So yeah, that was uh, See You Tonight uh, from a show I did in South Carolina. So getting back to um, the song Water and Wine, can you um, go into what went into the production of that song? Obviously, there were some things that were left over, but why did you choose to format it the way you did? Well, the the problem, the central production problem with this song, uh, with the song Water and Wine, was that it was very linear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by that, I mean... 
um, one way type thing. The acoustic guitar kind of drives the song and then it drops out. Uh, there needs to be a lot of dynamics in order to carry it. Uh, right. There's not necessarily a chorus, so to speak. The chorus is one line. Okay. okay. Um, and there's a bridge. So you basically have three verses uh, and a bridge. Mm-hmm. And so what up. I wanted to do was start it off with a big uh, intro type thing, a big epic intro. Uh, and then break it down for the verse, first verse, and then build it up in the second. Um, have a big bridge, have a very small third verse, um, yeah. and then have have it carry through to the end, kind of big. I heard that like it's not cool to use keyboards on yeah. rock songs, but well, there's a lot um, of keyboards on this song. Can you yeah. explain the rationale for using keyboards, and then secondly, why you chose to use the ones you did on this song? Well, first of all, the the non keyboard movement um i guess Hmm. started in the 80s where you know bands were starting to put keyboards in their songs and you know keyboards are great because they are obviously used either for organic stuff like piano or for synthesizer to simulate strings or things that you wouldn't be able to do without uh, the synthesizer right you can't have Um, a string section on stage you know that movement is trying to say make everything with you know with humans and and Mm -hmm. um it's kind of ironic uh, to have that position because, you know, if you're recording something or playing an electric guitar, it's not necessarily completely human. So Very uh, you have to draw the line somewhere. You do. Uh, but secondly, to answer your, your second question. You've got to draw that um, line, you know. The, the keyboards I used on this, uh, the first was a, a Rhodes keyboard, kind of electric keyboard in the first verse. I, yep. And then I think I moved into some synthy and organ sounds. Yeah. And, and then finally we used a Mellotron in the third verse. Okay. Um, and they're used that way to create different moods, and this is a very nostalgic song. Yeah. Uh, it's a song about the afterlife, and um, the production choices I made tried to uh, embrace the idea of memory and mm-hmm. of ghosts. I know we did a, a thing on ghost songs. So uh, there's a lot of echoes that are used in addition to the keyboard sounds. On the vocals, there's echoes. Um, the guitar parts sort of, uh, they're doubled, and they harmonize with each other, the solos do anyway. Uh, so there's a lot of cool stuff going on on the song production-wise. I, I think um, it came out really good. Yeah, I thought the guitar tones are really good. You know, even though you use keyboards, that's still cool because it sounded good. Um, you know, I've been listening to a lot of records with keyboards on them. But I've, I was just asking because I heard it wasn't cool. But I, I didn't know, you know, I don't know everything. But there's one thing I do know. And yeah, what might that and be? And that is that it's time for the mailbag. Aha. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> All right, what you got? Uh, this one, believe it or not, this one's to both of us. Hmm, cool. uh, Dear Mike and Murray, could you please explain what your favorite books, movies, and music of 2012 were? So how about you? What was your favorite uh, What was your favorite movie? My favorite movie of the year was Cloud Atlas, even though it was long and, and some people had a hard time understanding. I did, and I thought it was very... Hmm. Um, lucid but anyway uh, that was my favorite it just had everything i liked in movies i like that movie a lot but i think for me one that i liked more was uh the dark knight rises um that for me was great you know i just gosh it was such a a wonderful complete movie experience for me and i just enjoyed it no it wasn't bad you know i i wanted a little but you know bane was good um what about uh books what was your favorite book of the year that's a tough one because I tend to read a lot of older books that have come out years before. Um, but the one that I read this year that did come out was the Stephen King, uh, wind through the keyhole. Hmm. That was really good. I, I enjoyed that very much. It was like three stories in one. Yeah. It was just well done. 
I didn't read anything this year. I don't. I don't like to read. I just watch the movie. I understand. So. Uh, did you get into any music this year that was new? Yeah, you know the one record that I really really liked this year that came out that was new is that Frank Ocean yeah, Channel Orange really album. Good. I thought that was just it's just great. I, I love it. It's just a work um, of genius. I mean, I've I've never heard anyone do do that kind of record in a long time. It's mm-hmm. just really good. Um, but for me, the only new record I bought this year. I mean, I got the Frank Ocean, but I guess the other yeah. one that I really liked was the Killers, Battleborn. Yeah, that was good. Um, had some good moments on it. It was a lot like their, their the one before, which I really liked too. The thing about the Killers record that I didn't, I don't understand. I love, I loved it. I think it was great. There's some really good songs. But why is it that some, I know critics didn't embrace it. I didn't. I saw Frank Ocean on every critics list, and you know, and I admit I got into it after I started reading about mm-hmm. it, but. You know, I don't have an answer for you. I guess sometimes some records are don't make lists. <laughs> you know, I don't think lists really matter, but I think what matters is what we like. So, yeah. uh, I will say, obviously, if you read my blog, you know, I, I really for some reason got into Def Leppard mm-hmm. hard you this did. past year, and that was really what I listened to most. And um, gosh, I I went to the best concert I've ever been to. It was in August. I saw Def Leppard in mm-hmm. Charlotte. I had really good seats it was like 20th row and yeah I saw your pictures. that was one was for good. the books man I, I i tell you that was probably the best musical experience i've had all year it yeah hope they come back it was just really good about yeah for me you know this year past year I've, I've been listening to a lot of ambient music and mm-hmm. i don't know that's cool why it just kind of relaxes me you know, i just put it on and just listen yeah. to it and i can think about things you know stuff i gotta think about i understand it's cool stuff yeah, last week we went over uh, our time, so I think this week we're going to go under a little bit. Um, but I do want to discuss, if we could, uh, some of the meaning behind the song Water and Wine. I know we mentioned it in Ghost Songs a little bit, but I wanted to honor that, yeah. that promise that we talk about it. I mean, you know, you, the reason you 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 went over because I wasn't here. Okay, I'm just saying, and that's not important, but, you know, just I want to want everyone okay. out there to know that all I'll, right. I'll well, do this on time. I understand. Okay. I understand. But anyway, what so what is this song all about? Or what is water and wine about? Well, you know, there's there's stories and mythologies about water being churned into wine. And yeah, it's in the Bible. It's labeled as a miracle. You know, if something mm-hmm. turns turns from water into wine, it's a miracle. So on one hand you have water, which is common, and then wine, which is miracle. Um, yeah. And, and so what, what I'm trying to say with this song is that, you know, a relationship has moments. Did, did you realize that your relationship was both not magical and magical? It had mm-hmm. uh, both good and bad. It was yeah. both um, of man and of God, I guess you could say. I mean, it, it, just the duality. Did you, did you know that things were going to be good and bad is basically what the song is about. Yeah, well, that's pretty And deep, the know. song is autobiographical. Uh, it's about my own relationship with my wife, and um, she has a... A picture of herself as a, I guess, like a three-year-old or four-year-old, and she's on a tricycle, and there's a little American flag, and I looked at that one time, and I broke down in tears because, you know, gosh, you know, life is hard, and it just really touched me. And then the second verse has, um, it, it talks about where we met. We met at this place in Chapel Hill on Rosemary Street. Uh, very simple, you know, it's very obvious, and we met at a really loud club, you know, yeah. and, so what what do you mean? I, mean, I follow that. that I kind of got that, but I don't understand the third verse when you're talking about um, dancing at the graveside. That sounds kind of weird to me. Well, that came from a real event. Um, my wife Holly, her her grandmother died. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was about twelve, thirteen years ago. And uh, as a gift, um, 
her Holly's sister, she had a dance company come out and do a modern dance that was a tribute to her life. It was very touching. I I, I never seen anything like that, and I don't know that that's something you would see normally at funerals, but it it really moved me. And I thought, man, what if someday that happened for me? And um, thought about, gosh, I'm kind of mm. choking up thinking about it. Yeah, but, get yourself together. Um, yeah, it was just very touching, and so I wrote about it. And I, I never really get a lot of questions about it, but that's what <laughs> it it is. What it says, it is. I mean, it is it is just that. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I, I always wanted to know. I, I like the song. I think it's really good. Um, but we we talked about rock songs today, and you know mm-hmm. what what moves things, and I think it was a pretty good show. Uh, what what are we going to do next week? Next week, the theme of the show is going to be other songs, and what I mean by that is songs that don't kind of fit into the scheme of things but you you record them and uh obviously next week we're going to do pillar of the sun the song which is kind of out there um yeah. i like it but um I, f- I found that unless i build a record around it, it just wasn't going to work so uh that and we're going to play an outtake uh okay, cool. from uh an outtake uh, from the record called sparks uh, that's a good debut song. no one's I, ever heard it um so tune it. in next week and uh why don't we go out with that jam you made Oh yeah, this is the jam. I'm just I made it up on the spot. But uh anyway, thanks for tuning in. My name's Murray. My name's Mike and we'll see you next time.